Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from all three readings, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what's your story? Have you ever had someone ask you that in regards to your life? Have you ever had someone ask you this in regards to your Christian journey, your life as a Christian, and what that life is like for you? Or how about another one? When were you saved? Again, another question that can be asked of those who would call themselves a Christian. Now, if you're unsure of how you would answer any of those questions— My prayer is that by the time you hear the word amen, again, that you'll be confident in knowing the answer to those two questions. As we've been traveling on this evangelism journey and been discussing witnessing in the context of looking at the tool of Lassie, we've already talked about listening and asking and seeking with inviting, encouraging still to come. That means today we are landing on sharing. Sharing what can change people's hearts, and that is God's Word. For some people, this is the hardest part about witnessing, actually sharing God's Word with someone. Because you think about those other ones that we've covered, and you're like, yeah, I, I can listen. I, I know how to do that. I can ask questions in order to encourage discussion, sure. Then I think I can seek a point of connection with them, something that creates this door to share the word of God with them. But, But now that I've found that door and it's open, well, now I don't know if I can. And one concern that people have is that the person they're going to share this with, that they won't want to hear it. Or that they'll reject it. Or that they will reject the person sharing it. That they will reject you. And that's a very real concern. And here's something you need to know. It might happen. In fact, it is entirely likely that it will. In the reading from 2 Corinthians, you heard this. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world, Satan, is the one we are fighting against because he has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He has them under his control, if you will. So he will make it a struggle for us to bring the liberating message of Jesus Christ to others. Therefore, don't be surprised if you meet resistance. Not everyone will listen to us just because we've listened to them. And you may even be met with hostility when you share the word of God. This is spiritual warfare, and Satan is in those who don't believe as much as Christ is in you who do believe. But hear the words of John who says this, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Christ has overcome Satan already. 
This is spiritual warfare, but it is a war that has already been won for you by Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And that's why we just sang a mighty fortress, because Christ holds the field victorious. Satan is still fighting with all that he can to bring as many people to hell with him. And he knows that his time is running out. So he will fight you. But we have the one who fights for us, who is greater than Satan. We have the one who brings the dead back to life. Have you ever seen a miracle before? I mean, this may be another question that you've been asked before as a Christian. Have you ever seen the dead brought back to life? Do you believe in miracles? Because somebody dying and rising from the dead is obviously a miracle. But you weren't there 2,000 years ago to see it. When we talk about sharing the word of God with others, we obviously have to know the word of God. And we typically talk about two parts of the word of God. The law and the gospel. And each of them have their place in witnessing. The law is the commands of God. It's the things that you are to do or what you are not to do. This is an active role that you are playing. However, when you look at the commands of God, his standards for you, you realize that you do not live up to them. You do not meet them. As Romans says, you fall short of God's standards for you, of his glory. And so you can envision the law as a mirror. You look at yourself in the mirror, and, and if you ever look closely enough, you can see all of those imperfections. As law, the mirror shows your imperfections, where you fall short in how God wants you to live your life. And so the law shows you your sin. And in your sin, you find out that what you deserve for your sin, for not living perfectly according to God's law, is punishment. But it's not just a little slap on the wrist. It's not a time out in your room. No, it's death. It's physical death. As a result of sin, you will die on this earth unless Christ returns first. But what you also deserve besides physical death, is eternal death. You deserve hell. You deserve to be with Satan. And the law cannot save you from your sins. The gospel, on the other hand, is what has been done for you on your behalf by God. This is a passive role that you are playing. God is doing this for you. You look in the mirror again, and what you see are your sins. You see that you deserve death and hell. And the gospel in that mirror shows you your Savior. The gospel shows you what Jesus does for you, that he steps in for you, lives the perfect life that you could not, and he dies in your place for your sins. He takes your death. And he rises from the dead for your salvation so that you will not suffer hell. 
but that you would have eternal life. This is a free gift of God by faith that he has given you through the Holy Spirit. And that is the gospel. In the context of the church, the law is needed for those who are self-righteous, that don't think that they've done anything wrong, or those who are comfortable in their sins, or maybe they don't feel as, that they're as bad as other people. Giving someone like that the gospel alone is pointless if they have no need for a savior. The gospel, however, is for those who understand the consequence of their sin, the wickedness of their ways, the, the death and hell that they deserve. Those people need to hear the sweet words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you share the word with someone, you'll be sharing both law and gospel with them because anyone who doesn't believe certainly doesn't know that they have a need for a savior. And each person is different. And each person will need to hear something specific to their needs, to their life. And as you listen and ask and seek, you'll be able to better understand exactly what to share. This is contextual sharing. Because you're trying to understand the situation of the person you're talking with. So that you can better know how and when and in what way to share God's word. Because everyone is different and every person connects and communicates in different ways, including yourself. Now, some people connect with ideas, truth, facts, and intellectual concepts. They're what we call a head person. Some people are more focused on their feelings, and they don't care so much about facts. Those are heart people. And some people, they look for practical solutions. They look for measurable results. They want to know how something can have a positive impact on real-world problems. Those are hands people. And someone may be all three of these at some point in time, which is why you're seeking to understand where the person is at. By listening and asking questions, this can determine a person's attitude about their sins, whether it's heart, head, or hands. And then you can respond and connect with them accordingly to their head, to their heart, or to their hands. Now let me pause for a moment and say this. This may seem overwhelming to some of you or may seem hard to do, which is why you should come to our Bible study workshops for more support. This is also why some people just resort to sharing their personal story, their testimony, when they tell others about Jesus. It's easier, right? I'm, I'm just talking about myself. Plus, who doesn't like a good story? Here's the thing with that, though. Your story is great for you. Sure, some people might connect with it, but not everyone will. And your story doesn't change anyone. Sure, in your story, you will talk about how you've been changed by Christ's story. But God's word is the only kind of narrative that changes people's hearts and lives. 
sets people free from the bondage of sin and brings life from death, brings salvation. The story of Jesus is the only narrative that can do this. And it's also the only one that everyone can connect with. So if you began this morning saying, well, I don't have a good, cool story of of Christ saving me, well, you don't need one. You can share your story, your personal story. It's optional, though, because it's a great way to get to Jesus' story. But we need to make sure that we share Jesus' story in ours. That is not optional. When we share God's word, we stay focused on Jesus and his story. And here's a little secret for you. No matter what your story is, it's really about Christ's story working in you. And if it's not, then you're sharing it wrong. Which is why if you ask the next question of, When were you saved? It can't be something that points to something that you've done at a specific moment in your history. Like praying a prayer or accepting the call to come to the altar. Because anything that you do is law. And the law doesn't save you. However, if you answer that question with what God has done for you, That is the gospel, and the gospel does save you. So what's the answer then to when you were saved? Well, the good news is that there is an exact moment of history that you can point to. Look no farther than Good Friday. The moment you were saved is the moment Jesus breathed his last breath for you. The moment that he gave up his life for you the moment he died. That is the moment that he took all of your sins away, that he took your death, that he took your hell. You can also point to Easter Sunday, to Christ's resurrection from the dead as the seal of approval of Christ's sacrifice, that it was acceptable to God because his resurrection ensures that we too will rise again. And all who believe will live forever. And if you'd like another moment, well, you can also point to your baptism. When Christ again rescued you from death and the devil, marked you as his own dearly loved child, bestowed on you the Holy Spirit, gave you the gift of faith, if it wasn't there already, and clothed you with his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection. And in your baptismal living, you are called to share the good news with others. Or as the gospel reading would describe, your work is to sow the seeds, which is the word of God. You are the sower in the parable of the sower. You sow the seeds everywhere you go. It doesn't matter where it falls, who it reaches. You share the word of God. And then you let God make that seed grow. You let God give the gift of faith in the lives of people because that is his work. 
Remember when I asked you if you've ever seen a miracle before? Ever seen the dead brought back to life? I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about you. Take a look around this room. Take a look in the mirror. And you'll see someone who was dead in their trespasses and sins and has been brought back to life by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how did this happen for you? By the word of God. Because in the word of God, we, give, we get that life-saving message of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And the Holy Spirit works through the word of God. Or as was said in the New Testament reading from Romans, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. There is no greater word than the word of Christ. Amen.